it's get off the treadmill, work on your business, not in your business. And so for me, that was the belief that was the most hard to overcome because for me to transition to working at home and I don't go into work until two o'clock, for me to personally feel that was okay, it took a lot. But uh, my gosh, did it change my life and my company when I finally made that jump. What does mojo mean to you? Welcome to CEO Mojo, where we inspire business leaders to get motivated. In our weekly podcast, we talk about the ideas, stories, and lessons of these successful entrepreneurs and how they overcome the challenges that hold them back from getting in touch with their mojo so that you will get motivated. Our host is Joe Applebaum, CEO and co-founder of Ajax Union a digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn. Joe is a certified Google trainer and was featured on Fox Business News, Bloomberg, and The Wall Street Journal. He's a published author, and his thought leadership appears regularly on Forbes, Business Insider, and Entrepreneur.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Apfelbaum. Welcome to another amazing episode of CEO Mojo. Today I'd like to introduce my friend and fellow CEO, Chip Dodd. Chip is the president and CEO of Support Services of Virginia, which provides intellectual and developmental disability waiver services, support and housing in community-based integrated settings in Virginia. He enjoys adventure racing, boating, camping, skateboarding, and as you'll hear, also rock climbing. He's the president of Southeastern Virginia Chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization, and I'm really excited to begin this interview with Chip Dodd. So let's get started. Welcome to another amazing episode of CEO Mojo. Chip, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, always fun to talk with fellow entrepreneurs. So as you know, we speak about the beliefs, the failures, the work ethic, the focus, the fears, relationships, and purpose that entrepreneurs need to have in order to take their game to the next level. Now, I've been speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs have different challenges and different experiences, but they all have one thing in common. They have to constantly work on themselves to grow, to be able to take their game to the next level. And the more they grow themselves, the more they can grow. And the first thing that I speak to entrepreneurs and I ask them about is their self-limiting beliefs. There are certain beliefs that we used to have that we had to overcome in order for us to be able to achieve getting from a six-figure type of person to being a seven-figure type of person and so on. It's in our brain. It's in our mind. Is there a belief that you used to have that you kind of had to question and then completely change and as a result, you were able to break through? Yes, um, and there's, there's about 10 of them, but I'll try to keep it short for the sake of the podcast. Um, first, and I think the one that's, that changed my life most profoundly was I had, I, I've always had a very, very strong work ethic and I always felt I needed to be there at work. I needed to get there early and leave late and basically lead by example and all that kind of stuff. And what I was doing is I was really limiting my performance and, and my contribution by being part of the day to day. And so you read books like uh, E-Myth and, and, you know, things like that. It's, it's get off the treadmill, work on your business, not in your business. And so for me, that was the belief that was the most hard to overcome because for me to transition to working at home and I uh, don't go into work until two o'clock, for me to personally feel that was okay, it took a lot. But uh, my gosh, did it change my life and my company when I finally made that jump. Wow. That's very, very powerful. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this right now and they're like, 
How is he getting into work at 2 p.m. and still making a living? How is he having yeah. such a successful business that's doing multiple seven figures and being successful in the top of his industry and he doesn't show up till 2 p.m.? That's precisely yeah. the work that you need to do in order for you to take your business to the next level. That doesn't mean you're not working. Yes. That means you're not sitting there doing the same grunt work and operating the business and, and for the whole business to kind of be relying on you. Yes. And, and I, I got to admit, I, I learned a lot from EO on how to do that because in using Zoom like we're doing right now, I'm able to have a in-person like conversation with people across the whole state. And so my company has uh, four main divisions basically um, that, are, that are each quite a bit of ways apart. Two of them are four hours away from our home office. Um, I've had meetings today where I'm talking to the company horizontally instead of vertically. Like most of the time it's the boss and the person answered to them, the person answered to them, and, and you hope info trickles down. I'm able to go through a conversation with people who are doing scheduling the staff and do it across the company in all divisions. So I find it, it's a lot easier to be accessible to all of my employees and my leaders when I'm not physically present at any one given division. That makes wow. sense. Yeah, that's another course. way that it's 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 not that I'm not there and I'm not participating. I'm just participating on my own terms, on my own time frame. Not the way that you used to think that you had to participate in. Wow. Yes. Because absolutely. everyone else is doing it that way, or because that's what's industry standard, or because that's what you believed was accepted. Powerful. Or the now, or the industrial age thinking. I've got to be yes. at my desk nine to five, or or you know whatever, or work my twelve hours and leave. And that's and that's I false. can't wait. I can't wait for the schools to catch up. And for them to stop, you know, having the, the standard classroom setting with the standard recess, with the standard, you know, mm -hmm. run of the mill, run of the mill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. We're, we're teaching them to be a part of the industrial age. Meanwhile, our work life has changed. People want flexibility. They want to use technology. They want to work when they want, not when you want them to be there. They want to be focused on outcomes and productivity, not their physical presence at a freaking desk. And so I love it. It's very hard to untrain people to work in this type of environment. Yeah, yeah. So every entrepreneur that is successful goes through something known as failure. Everybody has failure. No. Some people have seriously. <laughs> some people have very, very big failures. Some people have smaller failures. Some people are too afraid to even take a risk to get the failure. But to really see the massive success, you really have to have some massive failures. Is there one or two massive failures that you face that you want to share with us that you've overcome? Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably economically. Um, I, I, although I saw a little bit the housing crisis was coming, I, I obviously, like most people, didn't realize it was going to be a global economic downturn to, to the extent it was. And um, although... I, I, I work with people with disabilities, both intellectual and developmental, out in the community. So I have a lot of, um, we also have a real estate wing that basically modifies homes for these individuals that may need a higher level of accessibility. And so um, I was right there in the housing market, not in the buying, selling, flipping standpoint, but I was um, trying to get in on housing while the prices were going up and um, got kind of over my head. Um, and and uh, it, it almost took us down. And so we uh, you know, that, that one EO speaker, and I apologize, I can't remember his name, but he said, sometimes you just got to be all in and, and put all the chips on the table. And that's what we did. And I, I'm, I'm glad we did it, but I went into it thinking I'm about to go bankrupt. Like this is not going to work. We're going to fail. And, and in my mind, I had to just say, you know what? I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm, you know, a little above the room temp on the IQ so I can go get a job and I'll figure something out. I will find another hustle. Um, so we did it. And, and, my gosh, we survived, and, and within a couple of years, we were, um, you know, right back on track and back to growing. 
um, that was, that was a, a big failure um, on my, my part personally. And uh, another one was uh, we did an acquisition in, um, I think it was 2010, 2011 timeframe. And I significantly miscalculated how much it was going to cost for the implementation. And uh, I went in there with the, again, I'm in human services. So I went in there with the, the bleeding heart, like let's save everybody and make sure they don't lose their paycheck. And, uh, and of course the individuals with disabilities, I didn't want to see them leave their home and, and leave everybody that they've uh, grown to love and trust as their caregivers. And I went in there with that on the mind and I did not uh, calculate the amount of cost and administrative distraction it was going to cause my company. And so once again, I found myself wondering if I'm going to make payroll and putting all the chips on the table again and thinking I'm going to go bankrupt and um, it, very, very stressful. Um, and so after you've been through that a few times and uh, a lot of people fail and they still get back in and they learn from that mistake, I tried to learn from my mistakes and uh, even though I didn't fail, uh, try never to do that again. And um, Wow. So it's, it's, it's working out a lot better for us because of those learning experiences. Um, I, I don't make those mistakes anymore magically. And that's the power of failure. The power of failure is yes. that we learn from those mistakes and there's nothing like life experience and those things for us, to, for us to learn from to teach us to be able to take our life and our business to the next level. Now, there's something you mentioned earlier, which is work ethic, right? There are certain entrepreneurs that have work ethic and there are certain entrepreneurs that really have an insane work ethic that are able to not only work really hard, in their business, in their home, but they're also volunteering for organizations and mentoring and doing all the types of stuff that you're doing and that I see a lot of also very successful entrepreneurs are doing. Can you tell me about where that drive comes from, where that ethic comes from? Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go back and forth between nature and nurture on this. Um, I kid around and say my mom was like a sea turtle. She kind of dropped me off and <laughs> let me uh, fend for myself once I was able to get outside and do stuff. Um, uh, my dad was a little bit the same way. He was like, you know, instead of me out just, just playing like most kids, he's like, come on, son, let me show you how to change the oil on the car. And, you know, before you know it, I'm an auto mechanic and I don't even know how to drive. Um, so I learned real early the value of, of hard work and learning and self-study and problem solving and that by doing those things, it ends up with cash in your pocket. Um, started my first company when I was about 18. I was doing uh, photography kind of under the table and uh did a wedding for a lady that her mom worked for the Department of Taxation. So I uh, quickly became a business owner and, uh, and that, that helped pay for college. Um, it's, it's been one of them. I've always, no matter if I worked for somebody or just for myself, I've always had that, that burning desire as being an entrepreneur to, um, to get things done wherever I am to, to basically look at that, too hard box and say, I think I can solve the problems in that box and, and do it a lot better than the guy next to me. And so, um, so that, that, that type of ethic has just brought me straight to the top. But I, I think there, there's just some people that are wired to take on challenge and say, I, I want to go to work and do something hard and significant and meaningful that has a, an outcome, hopefully that helps the mission and vision of the company. Um, and, and there's some people that are wired just, I want the easiest shift possible and I'm okay with mediocrity and I just want to get back home so I can watch the television and watch sports or Oprah Winfrey or whatever it is that they feel is important in their life. Um, so that's, so again, it's a, my, my family gave me the freedom to be my own person and to do my own hustle. And then my wiring is such that um, if I'm not bringing value and, and, and making a difference, I'm going to move on regardless if it's a nonprofit that I'm on the board of or in a company or even in my personal life, which is full of adventure and, you know, craziness. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, definitely. There's always a combination of nature and nurture, but ultimately we have to have the self-awareness that if we are not going to put in the hard work, if we're not going to have that hunger, there's no one that's going to be able to do it for us. We have to really have to have a good mission to be able to, that we're passionate about, to be able to, to have that ethic and to be able to keep driving. But yes, I mean, you know, parents, there's no substitute for giving us that, uh, that old, getting our hands dirty with the oil, <laughs> like your Absolutely. dad made you get dirty. Yes. Um, you make mistakes early on and they, they, they don't pound you for it. They, they support you and say, okay, yeah, you messed it up this time. But let me show you how to not to next time. And then, and as long as you have a family that supports you with that, I think it's, um, very, very healthy, especially early on in childhood. Yeah, the worst thing that a, that a parent can do to their child is show them disappointment for their failures. The worst thing, I mean, the guy said it at Nerve recently, we, we were at a seminar and it was just so powerful to see that if you just give your kid that, that confidence that it's okay if you screwed up, that can go a long way with them being successful in their life. So Absolutely. let's talk a little Absolutely. bit about focus. Entrepreneurs have a serious, serious squirrel problem. You think? <laughs> They're constantly looking at the next shiny thing. And, and it, exactly, what is that? And, but it's, in order to be successful, to really be successful in business, you have to be able to learn the skill. It's a skill, the skill of focus. How were you able to do it? Um, I, I got to be honest, this is something that I, I've only come to really understand in the last few years, primarily because uh, to EO and, and Forum and, and other peer groups. Um, I joined both EO and a different peer group called the 3 to 5 Club right about the same time. And, and that for finally, instead of just the entrepreneur being their own boss and kind of being able to do the squirrel thing and it be okay, um, I highly recommend to um, entrepreneurs to join a group um, of other entrepreneurs and hold each other accountable to say, look, this is what you said you wanted to do last month. Did you do it or not? And if you say not, then why? Like, you, you, this was so important to you last month. Why, why have you moved on? And so having to go in there and kind of answer to my own personal board of directors um, is, is really, really helpful for me. Um, the, the other thing I've learned, and uh, there's, there's a lot of books uh, written on this topic, and, and EO does it as a uh, way to to manage the uh, member leaders that are on the boards is ongoing check-ins and accountability, a dashboard, um, looking at metrics on a regular basis, uh, getting into a rhythm of saying, we're going to do these meetings are going to be monthly and we're going to talk about these topics. And then, um, and you have to come on there and say, I either did or didn't do what I was supposed to do. Um, even though we want to be the boss and not have a boss and not have people hold us accountable, we need that. And, and for me, it, it helps out a lot both in my company and in my, uh, you know, my yeah. life of um, personal stuff. Definitely having a room full of business owners and watching them and presenting to them and speaking about your issue peer to peer is so important when it comes to focus because we get so carried away. And I, I know in my forum, I was questioned many times, Joe, are you focusing? Cause I'm constantly looking at, you know, looking around, but the only way I was able to succeed ever was uh, being, having a, a, very, very clear focus on what I, want, what I want in my personal life and my business and so on. There are many fears that I've had to overcome in order for, be, for me to become the person that I am, for me to be able to speak publicly, for me to be able to network the way that I do, for me to even be able to take my selfie that you see me take many times. Yes, many. What fears, <laughs> what fears did you have to overcome in order for you to be the type of a successful entrepreneur that you are? Um, and I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs will... Um, 
uh, what do you call it, associate with this, um, but losing everything. I think that that's the one thing that we truly give up that almost everybody else on the planet has is when you fail at your job, you don't lose everything. I mean, when the bank comes and takes your house and liquidates your assets and you truly are living out of a box. Um, that's, that's the one, you know, entrepreneurship is high risk, high reward. And so, um, so moving from that, um, I just have a job, I have a paycheck. Yeah, I might get fired, but nobody's going to come take my house and, and I lose my actual shelter. Um, that whole Maslow thing kind of takes over. And so that, that fear was probably my biggest that I had challenges with um, until I kind of changed my lifestyle. Um, I, I, um, not, not necessarily because I, I wanted to, but I did get divorced. Um, and I also uh, moved into a much smaller home, got rid of stuff because a lot of times you get kind of married to your stuff as well. And so um, my lifestyle such that I honestly could go back to bartending and nothing really would change. And for me, um, to be in a company my size with these employees that are counting on me and, you know, I'm, I'm, most of my reimbursement comes from Medicaid and which can go up or down depending on the uh, economy and the taxpayers and different politicians. Um, I have to be, if I'm going to stay in the lead of this company, I have to be knowledgeable that it's going to happen maybe and prepared to fail and, and start from scratch. And I know many entrepreneurs have done it. I don't want to do it. Um, but you know, the, the big house, the, the wife, the five cars, the, the five kids and the private school and all of that. Um, I think I would go get a regular job. I don't think I could do, I, I don't think I could take on the risk if I had those kind of personal ties that, that I was there to, you know, that they were relying on me. Um, powerful, powerful fear that a lot of entrepreneurs resonate with the fear of losing it all. I know we're constantly trying to get financial security, but the more that we up the ante, the more that we up the game, the harder it becomes. And so getting rid, I love what you said about getting rid of your stuff. Like you get married to your stuff. I recently, um, someone helped me be able to get rid of a lot of the stuff I've been keeping for the past decade and a half. And, um, that person helped me heal a lot of wounds. I had to heal a lot of wounds in order for me to get rid of all that stuff. So yeah, very, yes. very powerful. Minim very minimalism powerful. is, it, it, it's a little bit of a fad recently, but it is absolutely um, something I would I'd ask everybody to check into. I know um, Tim Ferriss with the 4-Hour Workweek, that guy, you know, he's up and going around the world doing amazing stuff. And the only reason why he's able to do that is to, um, to really downsize your life, downsize your stuff, and, um, and really look at life as experiences and not this junk that we, we buy because the TV tells us to buy it. Um, so I highly suggest anybody that's having the problem with that is read the 4-Hour Workweek. That was one of the books that really changed my life. And uh, the other thing that, that um, is helpful, and you guys see I'm kind of in a cargo van, I, um, I had this thing pimped out like an RV, and I've, I've lived out of this thing like on many, many weekends, and if not three or four weeks, because I drive across the country from time to time and go rock climbing and mountain biking, all this stuff. And that I realize it's you don't have to have a nice car and a nice this, nice that. It's really about... Um, being able to be free and do what you want when you want with who you want to do it with. Um, and so, um, so those, those type of things just really helped me get over losing everything. Cause again, at the end of the day, I am perfectly happy living out of my cargo van <laughs> parked in some parking lot. I do it all the time, even though I could afford a hotel, you know, you are a rich man. Yeah. You I are am rich, rich. In, in freedom. Yeah. I actually, when we have a, a division out in Lynchburg and it's hilarious because the employees, I'll pay for them to get a hotel room, but I prefer to park in the parking lot in the van. It's, I'm comfortable there. So um, it's your, it's it's your comfort weird. zone. Yeah. My comfort zone. I'm there every weekend, you know, that's beautiful. Driving or whatever.
That's beautiful. Yeah, it's totally. I, one of my dreams is to get a mobile command center and like literally drive it around with my like, you know, my uh, my drones on the top and like all my stuff going on there. Like that's I'm such a nerd. I totally yeah. resonate with driving around the cargo van. My wife won't let me. Yes. but um, right. Eventually, I'll, I'll do it. Eventually, I'll do it. Right. When I was married, my wife would not have let me. <laughs> <laughs> this is one, this is a, you know once you um, are on your own and you're officially single, then you do. I, I went through like what probably most people do when they get divorced is now what do I want to do? I, I can now make the decisions based on my preferences and my um, goals in life. And um, I, I would not have been able to do this. Um, so powerful. Family, so powerful. I'm not saying everybody should go get divorced because it's um, a lot more expensive than a cargo van. Yes. But uh, yes. You know, if, if you do yes. get divorced, don't get right back into that lifestyle that you were in. Think, look at yourself and what, what do you want to do and say, I, I now have the world's my oyster. What do I want to do? And, and maybe living out of a 400 square foot small home and a cargo van and traveling and you know, doing what you want. Maybe, maybe that's a, a better way. What's the brand of your cargo van? Nissan MV fifteen hundred. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, yeah it sounds like a, yeah. Nissan makes really cool vans. Yeah, so yes. that sounds really cool. And they're reliable. Not not to say any other vehicle manufacturer. All right, all right, you know, all right. I am Nissan. A, a Nissan Toyota fanatic, and so I'll yeah. never own something other than. Yeah, that. I don't mind Honda either, but yes, those those brands are great. So tell me about relationships because you're you're in a relationship business, and a lot of entrepreneurs have to build not only relationships with their employees and their vendors and their clients and the government. But they have to build meaningful relationships to take yeah. business to the next level. What does a relationship mean to you? Um, it, I, I think anybody who's been in business realizes it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And um, you, you, you do not know everything yourself. You, um, if, you, if you try to do it lone wolf style, you're going um, to make a lot of mistakes and you, you could have learned from, from others. So I think... Um, I think relationships that, that uh, bring value to your life and help you be a better person as well as you can help them be a better person. When you can find those type of relationships that are mutual, um, I think everybody wins. And, um, and that going back to, to peer groups and accountability groups and stuff, I think that's, that's, that's why things like EO or the three to five club or, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other business groups out there, but those are so powerful to, to help us become the best entrepreneur possible. Um, of course, at the at the base of any relationship is some level of trust that, um, especially if you're going to go deep and be vulnerable with somebody, it, you, you can trust that they're not going to use that against you and, and that uh, hopefully they can say, you know, I, I've been there and this is how I dealt with that and, and not tell you what you should do, but um, tell you, you know, based on my experience, this is how I handled that situation and leave, leave the individual to make their own choice without a, a power struggle and that type of thing. Um, it on a on a personal level i'm i'm really hard person to live with and i've um <laughs> uh, so i i think um i personally I, I live by myself and i probably always will now and um you know i have the most amazing girlfriend that that loves to go out and do crazy stuff that i like to do and um but then she also has three kids and she can do herself uh, do do um things on her own with her kids on her own time and doesn't need to need to be there. And so I, I'm very lucky to, to have found somebody that really fits my lifestyle because it is definitely an untraditional lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I, I, I very much value, um, the, I, I'm not a big kind of friendly person. Like when it comes down to having tons of friends, I'm not actually very social, but, um, the friends I do have, I try to make sure that, that they, um, kind of, they're usually entrepreneurial in nature and they they usually kind of like the same things I like. Um, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. Having having a smaller amount but higher quality relationships brings so much more fulfillment to people. There are those people that are the life of the party and they have thousands of friends, but the reality is they may not even have one good friend. So right. all we need in life is one good friend, someone that really knows us, someone that really loves us, someone that we really connect with. And many people are missing that one person. And when you find that person, you got to really stand close to them. Yep. And the other um, kind of conflict that I had through most of my life um, was that, that um, you know, you basically you feel like you have to um, blend in with, with the masses, whether it be, you know, if you're on the board of the Rotary Club or you go to your church or, or whatever, whatever social group you're in, you feel like, um, you know, they wear suits and ties. I got to wear a suit and tie. They like football. I need to like football. And I, I, I realized again, going back to when I kind of did my little self introspection and said, who do I want to be? I realized, um, I, I don't want to fake it anymore. I don't, I don't want to live a life of chameleon of, of changing colors based on whoever I'm with. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to wear a t-shirt and flip flops every day to work. And that's just who I am. And, um, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I think I may own a suit and tie, but I honestly don't know where it is or if it's even fits me. Um, and, but, but what that does, there's a level of authenticity that if, if you don't want me part of your group, cause I don't fit in, that's fine. I, you know, but I fit in just fine with rock climbers cause we live out of cargo vans. That's who we are. So I, I think it's, it's, I think it's healthy for people to, um, be a part of groups and have relationships when you can be yourself and be authentic and, and you're not just, you know, wearing the nicest suit because that's what your friends do. And um, I know it's given me a lot of freedom and helped me really narrow down my friendships to people who truly are um, that bring value um, and, and primarily entrepreneurs. I mean, if it's really hard to have a meaningful discussion with anybody that's not an entrepreneur, um, you know, it, the, the, the stuff the average kind of Joe talks about is completely uninteresting to me. And I, I start feeling like a chameleon. I'm like, look, I don't watch football. I don't even read the newspaper. I follow the economy and business stuff. Cause that's my job, you know? And so I don't know it's, it's freedom, but it's limited a little bit. It's very, very, very powerful. I resonate with that significantly. And I know a lot of other entrepreneurs, many of them who are listening to this also resonate with this, you know, entrepreneurs, need to have meaningful conversations, need to have meaningful relationships. A lot of them are kind of like on the extreme. They're either hot or cold. They're either all the way in or they're not in at all. So, right. you know, that's the, that's the types of people that kind of hang out. They're not in the middle. They're not going to be happy with mediocre. Right. Some people do things for the money. Some people are just out to do things for the money. And then there are those people who are really, really successful. And they're not just doing it for the money. They have this bigger, greater purpose more meaning in their life. What do you tell an entrepreneur that's doing it for the money and how are you different? <laughs> um, believe it or not, uh, well, it's just, I think there's a common misconception that a lot of entrepreneurs are in it, in it for the money. And um, the more and more people I get to know that are entrepreneurs, the more and more I realize that's definitely not the default. Um, I do feel kind of sorry for people who are chasing the money because you know, a, a big pile of money, it, it, it's just a tool to do something with. And it's kind of like having a whole pile of screwdrivers. I mean, you got to have a lot of screwing to do if, if you need that much screwdriver. So it's like, I'm more interested as a person in, <laughs> sorry, that was my bad one. <laughs> I see you like laughing on the other end. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I should have thought about that before I said it. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's okay. So what you made money now, what, purpose are you going to do with that money? What, um, 
what's and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be I want to cure cancer. I want to uh, help kids with autism. I want to improve the school system or um, help the homeless or um, be the most inspirational speaker, book writer. I mean, just how are you going to hopefully better the people or processes or things around you? Um, I, I, I was both a Boy Scout as a kid and I, I worked for the Boy Scouts for two or three years. And, you know, they, they always had that um, a saying. It's basically, you don't have to leave the campsite perfect, but you got to leave it better than you found it. And so I've always really remembered that and went through life thinking that. I, I, all I have to do is, is make an incremental difference in the right direction. So, um, so money to me is not impressive. Again, I could, I could easily live off of probably 1500 bucks a month and not really change my lifestyle. So I'm, I'm definitely not doing it for the money because I wanted to. I just go write myself a check. Um, but I, I look at it going, my, my job as an entrepreneur is allocating capital and, and capital being money and, and other types of resources. And I am absolutely fascinated um, just with running companies and being an entrepreneur in general. Um, unlike many people who started their company trying to solve a problem or create a service to, um, that they are highly passionate about, my mom started this company, Serving People with Disabilities, back in 94 um, as her career path went from ad advocacy and activist in the um, disability discrimination kind of movement from the 70s of institutionalization and Geraldo Rivera going into Willowbrook and all of that. This company became her passion and, and her mission to better the lives of people with disabilities across the state of Virginia and hopefully the world through um, our influence and, and um, you know our, our vision and mission. I came into this uh, unfortunately because ovarian cancer got her and uh, back in 05 and so I like the Boy Scouts I feel this is not I didn't really pick this campsite this campsite kind of found me and um, but I'm, I'm dead set on leaving it a much better campsite than when I found it and so my passion is, is, is running this company and, and doing the best I can because, and this is one of my, my famous quotes that uh, I've, I've stumbled across, but everybody kind of picked up on is, I try to keep, my, my job is to keep the stadium open so others can play their game. So many people that have a passion just need an employer that'll give them the freedom to follow their passion and not squelch it. And so I look at it, as long as I got a paycheck and benefits and a, and a nice friendly boss that, that's, supportive and, and nurturing and, and they can coach them, then if you want to be the best person in the autism field, do it under my company. You don't have to go start your own company. You can do it under mine. And um, so I really enjoy watching employees grow when, when I see them have a passion and I can help them make that passion a reality. And um, so I, I, I hope to keep doing this hustle forever. Um, it's, it's frustrating. that It seems like every day I'm getting a phone call for somebody trying to acquire me. Um, you know, it, and, and they, they throw out big numbers. And I'm like, I don't want the money. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to help people achieve their dreams and their passions. This is fun. And end of the end of the day, I don't need the cash because I'm cool with the cargo van, you know? So, um, so I'm sorry, there's a long answer to it. It's a, very liberating, question. very, very liberating, liberating to, uh, it's very liberating to live your life that way. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to figure out how to do that, but they still haven't found the, the, the way to do that. Maybe sometimes it takes a boy scout to be able to come into a campsite and make it better than it was. So very interesting concepts. Now there's one final question that I want to ask you. Cool. What does mojo mean to you? What is mojo? Cool. Uh, the mojo nation, right? So, uh, so, uh, I, 
and again, after watching your videos and stuff like that, I, I think I, it resonates with me a lot of the stuff you say. And, and what I would say for me personally, the mojo is when you kind of get into your zone or your flow. I know there's a lot of people that call it different things, but um, like most entrepreneurs, I have wicked ADD, which um, instead of a disability that needs to be medicated, I, uh, I think of it as a superpower and that if as long as you hone it in on, on the right topic at the right time, um, it, it, it really gives you an unfair advantage against your competition. And so I feel my, I'm at my best performance when I can work on things that I need to work on and, and let my ADD focus on it without distraction. And then when I'm done, then turn it off and I'll go into work and go through the, hey, how do I tie my shoes and all the, all the silly questions that inevitably are gonna hit me when I walk through the door. Um, but when I, when I get into that flow and, and really feel like there's no problem I can't solve, I can see around corners, I can predict the future, um, that just feels good. I mean, you feel powerful and it's like, just meaning you're powerful, like, wow, like I've got this really superpower, it's really neat. And, and then also, especially once you've seen the future and then two years later it plays out, it's just amazing. Um, wow. So I guess that, that's my mojo, man. When I, when I get in that zone and I'm just like, the world is crystal clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. That clarity, that mojo. Clarity, yes. It's like, the, it's like you, you can solve any problem. You can, you can win. You can beat this. You will overcome. You will not fail because, you know, I, I can I mean, you can just do everything. And again, I don't know if it's uh, caffeine or, or what it is, but man, when I get into that zone, I love it. Wow. So Mojo Nation, you heard it here on CEOMojo.com. Remember, stay motivated. Thank stay you motivated. Chip. Thank you for coming and doing this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jay. This is a lot of fun. You've been listening to another episode of CEO Mojo, your source for amazing motivation. For more episodes that will get you motivated, go to www.ceomojo.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it and let us know what you think. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Mojo Nation, stay motivated.